There is a house in New Orleans that calls and sun. And it's been the run of many a poor boy. God, I know how one mothers tell your children not to do what I have done. Spend your life in spin and misery in the house of the rising sun. The air put on the platform. The air's been on the chain. The air's been new on the arms. To wear that ball and chain. I have not seen Oppenheimer yet. Tomorrow, though. I'm looking forward to it as some sort of emotional catharsis, you know, in my uh, relationship to that event, to, to my overall emotional engagement with, you know, the second 30 years war and the, the death of, uh, the death of God. As soon as we split that out of God as any... Any meaningful concept of God outside of uh, the algorithm of, uh, of profit and the value form was extinguished. So it'll be interesting to see how a kind of literal-minded uh, British, very, very British man handles that subject. I'm not terribly, uh, I don't think it's, I'm not sure it's going to be good, but it'll certainly be interesting one way or the other. By the way, uh, on our last Desert Storm set, uh, one of the cards fell, and I was uh, did not read it, but I wanted to get it done because it'll bug me other uh, uh, if I don't. Uh, and it's another country, and it's Sweden. Good old Sweden. God old Sweden, yeah. Uh, located on the Scandinavian Peninsula in Northern Europe, Sweden has been occupied by basically the, the same ethnic people for approximately 5,000 years. Sweden, that's a weird way to put that. Sweden gained independence from Denmark in 1523. For almost 200 years, Sweden has maintained a position of armed neutrality, and not just armed, uh, exported. They've exported tons of weapons. They were a huge uh, defense contractor and military supplier during the Cold War, and now they're not even uh, fucking uh, neutral anymore. They're in NATO. Gotta say, uh, you, whatever you think of Putin's decision to invade Ukraine, uh, the fact that now Finland and fucking Sweden are in NATO, that can't be a that can't be a success. That can't be a W. That can't be eighth-dimensional chest. That just seems like a fuck-up. Sweden joined the UN in 1946. For Operation Desert Storm, Sweden supplied medical personnel. So some Swedish doctors. Uh, geographic area, 173,731 square miles. 
Population, 8.4 million. Language, Swedish and Finnish. Don't forget they've got Finns. Capital, uh, Stockholm, government type, constitutional monarchy. Head of government, good old King Carl, King Carl the 16th Gustav. I don't honestly know what the difference makes. I just know that if you're fighting to, like, push off NATO encroachment, having two of your fucking, uh, uh, na near nearby countries joining it who weren't before can't doesn't just seem like a, a good idea. It, it doesn't seem like the result of a successful endeavor. I don't know. Although the Ukrainians are fucking completely fucked, also like their big uh, counteroffensive has ground down. Uh, it just does seem like it's just going to be a Syria style deadlock and just a place for money to wash in and out, uh, laundered through uh, defense contractors and. Biden family members, basically forever. We're at the point now, if, if we're back to great power uh, conflict, or even medium power conflict, none of these wars can actually end. And yeah, it looks like Ukraine is just being stripped of all state assets and being turned into a libertarian uh, playground. Which, you know, shock doctrine at work, of course, everywhere, and uh, combined in uneven ways. So that's fun. Definitely, it baffles me. I just do not understand how you can look at any of the, any of the conflicts we have currently percolating around the globe and be like, one of these is the good guy. One of these is going to fix something. It, 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 the only way to make sense of the world right now is discrete national ruling groups, collections of capitalists and government functionaries who uh, exercise power, trying desperately and improvisationally and uh, without any long-term plan to keep themselves in their positions for another day. That's it. There's no ideology at play. There are no... Uh, interests beyond uh, capitalism's being served. It's just these national ruling cliques trying to stay on top. Good thing we've got aliens. It is. It, it does speak to how deeply we have become alienated from the government and from institutions that something that you know, I'm when I was a kid, if this had happened, some guy comes up in front of Congress and under oath says, we have alien bodies and technology, people would have shit a brick. But nobody believes anything anymore. They're like, bullshit. You're full of it. It would certainly be nice if we saw some goddamn actual evidence instead of fucking testimony. But honestly, even if they, they produce some evidence... How am I supposed to know it's real? You know, how are we not supposed to know it's fake? Pics in the age of AI, how are we supposed to know that's real? The only, the only way it could happen is if we were addressed by the aliens. They cut through and around, you know, our institutions and directly addressed us. Not even through our technology, because I don't even think that would work. Because who, oh, it's on TV? Well, who's in charge of TV? I think it would have to be directly beamed into our brains, which 
I gotta figure an alien species of or future humans, if you believe that, or transdimensional beings with that level of technology could probably also just directly beam a message into your brain. And then the reality of it would be made by that intervention. Even then, though, you might see a civil war between the people who take their brain meld with the aliens at face value and those who insist that it is an advanced government technology. So I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the aliens to give me the pink Vallis light and let me in on everything and uh, and fix everything. Because we're sure as shit not going to fix anything. That's for sure. Although, who knows how long we can improv uh, our way through this thing, you know? that's We, we can't underestimate the, just the sheer improvisational uh, ability of the human race, especially at this level of technological advancement. Because in real moments of crisis, you see the day-to-day uh, -day institutional barriers to addressing problems. They, too, tend to come down. Now, at that point, addressing the problem is much more costly, much harder, and much more traumatic than it would have been earlier. But it's still an address to the ball is possible. But yeah, we're all waiting for uh, Christ to return, or Christ in the form of Donald Trump to return, or uh, or the aliens to come, like a deliverance. But yeah, it's not happening. We we have to be our own aliens and our own Christs and our own Trumps, and that's the one thing none of us can really countenance. And even if we can countenance, we can only do it on an individual level. We cannot meaningfully participate in a project oriented around genuine millenniary activism. Even, like, people are terrified of the far right in America, but all they want to do is have political-themed tailgate parties, vote for their favorite candidate every four years, and then watch TV. They do not want to actually do the work of taking over and rearranging uh, our institutions. So everybody is just going to keep popping off like corn kernels in the microwave, having their own personal revelations and their own personal uh, uh, reckonings. And some of them will coalesce into meaningful formations. Other ones will burst off into uh, the totally isolated uh, venting. Uh and the shape of the future will be determined by those uh, brains uh, cooking, as it were. Uh, somebody asked about McConnell. Yeah, what if he did get the alien uh, message? That'd be funny. I think he did grab himself, although... He is definitely in bad health. His lips were like bright purple, which means he's his heart is is probably uh, really straining to deliver him oxygen or his lungs or something. And his hands are, of course, just terrifying, like right, uh, rotten plantains. Uh, and he falls down all the time. So anything can happen. 
would he be the first of these like ancient this generation? You know, like I think you know, uh, Strom Thurmond died. Did he die in office or after he retired? Uh, you know, those guys all keeled over, but this will be our our gerontocrats. He would be the first to die. McCain, the thing is, McCain wasn't actually that old. Like, he wasn't over, was he 80? He was 80, so maybe he was old. I, that's the thing, it's, he didn't seem decrepit, about the thing about McCain is. Why does America have so much schizophrenia right now? Because how would you not? How are, how, what, like, uh, liberals are just so baffled by why nobody trusts anybody in this country. But it's like, they don't trust their, anybody either. But what they do trust are the institutions, which is very funny. You know, nothing works except for these institutions, which are staffed by true believing uh, American patriots. But, you know, they're, they're comfortable enough, for the most part, to tell themselves that. Everybody else is uncomfortable to some radical degree. Even wealthy reactionaries are very uncomfortable. They're culturally uncomfortable. And what, what that cultural alienation does is it robs them of a future. It robs them of the, the idea of like living in the future, either through their kids or, if they're really rich, uh, in their robot bodies. They can't imagine themselves in the future culture. Uh, and so they're incredibly unhappy and incredibly uh, distrustful of the institutions that are promoting that culture. And then anybody else who's actually suffering in this world, like worrying about where their fucking rent's going to come from and how they're going to stay with their head above water, has absolutely no reason to trust any institution. And, you know, we want our life to make sense and we want uh, to feel connected to something greater. And like this, this world has cut us off from each other so drastically. Uh, and, and it is in cooperation that like we can kind of build that feeling, like that sense of closeness, that sense of proximity is through acting together. Like it's when we're together that we feel less in ourselves and therefore we feel the most expansive. And we can believe in a world that goes beyond ourselves. Uh, but if but that desire doesn't go away just because we're isolated. What it means, though, is that we try to punch through the shell, the, the glass box we live in, and try to like touch the numinous, touch the, the transcendent uh, individually. And uh, to do that, you do have to go to war with consensus reality. Because consensus reality simply will not allow for that kind of connection. The entire capitalist structure exists to give you things to do instead of connect to a greater meaning or sense of purpose or awe. Sorry, that's unavailable. What we do have are 10 million different fucking products for you to consume. And one of media, uh, commodities, stuff for you to indulge in to uh, fill the void created by that inaccessibility of anything beyond you. So to try to craft it yourself without, you know, a healthy feedback loop with other people 
that could build an alternative uh, uh, counter-hegemonic world that includes a uh, an element of transcendence, then you're just going to headbutt the fucking glass wall until your head shatters or it does. I mean, yeah, like traditionally, historically, there have been people who have, you know, breaking, broken through reality in a relatively uh, help, uh, healthy way by individual contemplation. But that means depriving yourself while making these, uh, while seeking. And the thing is, even though we're seeking, we're still caught in the greater commodity matrix. So we're still framing our search in materialist terms instead of detaching from that. And even if we did come to some sort of like higher understanding, it would still put us at fundamental conflict with everybody else in our lives, every institution that we are enmeshed in. Like, that's the thing. Like people say like, oh, Matt, form a cult. And it's like, ah, no, I know where that leads then it wouldn't be anywhere good. And to try to do it would be just to service what is, you know, it is a noble search because the collective search for meaning is what builds, like, uh, institutions of justice. But individually, it, it has a, uh, and, and certainly in a hierarchical social relationship, it ends up just feeding the ego of the person who is uh, making that choice. So... I'm just I'm just sitting here agonized upon the spit getting roasted getting spit roasted as it were Got to get spit roasted roast that spit getting that spit roast on Let us do a uh a quick pack. I really want to get through these because they're almost done. I think there's only a handful of these packs left. There's like two or three in here. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, there's more. Oh, the state national quarters. Actually, you know what? That's a good idea. I don't think I ever did the state national quarters. I don't want to do all 50. I will count out, I will shout out some really good ones and some bad ones, though. Faves and, and least and unfaves among them. Uh, my favorite of the state ones I remember was Kansas. It just had a beautiful, uh, buffalo standing in a field. I really like that one. Uh, any of the ones with people on them, honestly, kind of sucked. Like little small human figures, I'm going for in the flag sense. It's the same rules as 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 
flags for me. Humans are the last thing you want to put on a flag. They can cut, they can work sometimes, but usually you're better off with something else. I really like Mississippi too. I remember that one. Mississippi was really cool. It had just a big blooming uh, magnolia bush. New Hampshire's is the funniest because it was the old man on the mountain, which like a year later fell away, fell off, and is no longer there. So that's like you have been owned officially. The uh, Wisconsin one is very bad. It's it's they gave up completely. It's just a cow head next to a wheel of cheese. It's like oh my god, we get it. Yes, you make a lot of dairy. Congratulations. You don't even make the most dairy in the country. California does more dairy than Wisconsin. Ah, but Wisconsin has more specialty cheeses. Congratulations. I'll tell you right now, having grown up in Wisconsin, we didn't steer too far from cheddar. We weren't we weren't uh, getting like an, a fine cheese selection before the tailgate party. It was just fucking cheddar. Just a block of cheddar, mostly. The uh, Louisiana State Quarter is very funny because it includes a map of the United States with the Louisiana Territory marked. Like, they're taking credit for that whole place. It's like, this is... Those are word games, okay? Get out of here. Honestly, any of the ones that have the state in it, it's a little bit like, okay, come on. The shape of the state. Like, yeah, we know. We know that's what it looks like. It's like you've just given up. Yeah, they're mostly bad looking at them now. They're mostly pretty bad. Very little here that's uh, terribly inspiring. Connecticut's not bad with the big tree. Oh, Wyoming with the lady cowgirl. With the cowgirl bucking the equality state one. That one's good. The good old Constitution Oak. All right. So, but I know now they have state, they have national park quarters. Let me take a look at those. Because I saw one of those recently and I was like, damn, that's kind of cool. Ooh, Gettysburg's got one. Sweet. Come on. You enhance finding these is becoming very difficult. There we go. Get them bigger. There we go. Sarasota with the guy handing over the sword is nice. Very, uh, 
very sore winner there. I like that. I got some buffalo on uh, one of these. That's good. Yellowstone's got a buffalo and the, the uh, geyser. See? But they're standing next to each other. They're in a scene. The buffalo is in front of the geyser. They're not just separate floating in front of like a map of Yellowstone, which is what most of the state quarters are like. A lot of these are Civil War themed, which is cool. You got Gettysburg, you got Vicksburg. The mother of waters flows unvexed to the sea. Okay, the Hawaiian volcanoes, that's badass. Erupting volcano quarter, that's cool. I want one of those. George Rogers Clark got a bunch of dudes with fucking muskets. Can't go wrong with that. Oh yeah, Lowell's just got the uh, got the mill there. Founding founding place of American industrial capitalism. Hooray! Let's all let's hear it for the boys and girls, mostly girls, mostly very young girls, who made Lowell what it was. They got a TR one. God, that guy's got enough borders or got enough coins. See if any of these are particularly bad. A lot of just ones that have birds. I gotta say, none of the bird ones are wowing me. Just different birds. Ooh, okay. Best one, definitely, uh, what is that? It's got a bat on it. It's got freaking bats. That's cool. That's the winner. Bats. I don't hate birds. It's just if if everybody's got a bird, and like birds fly around, you know, they're not like you can't really say a bird is is a is a permanent fixture as part of a uh, national park. You know, they fucking migrate and shit. All right, let's do this pack. Okay, this is another fucking uh, repeat. The, the, the Star Life lifter, the one with the, uh, the medical ship or the medical airplane. Okay, here we go. This is a uh, aircraft carrier. This is, not, this is not one we've done before. The USS America. Terrible name. Just, you thought... You took two seconds. You didn't even take two seconds. You just said, what should we name our American aircraft carrier? Uh, America. One of the last carrier groups deployed in the Red Sea, along with the USS Theodore Roosevelt. We saw that card last time. The USS America is modern non-nuclear carrier. Non-nuclear? Damn, how you power something that big without nukes? With a power plant of eight boilers fired by fossil fuel. Hell yeah. Her four-geared steam turbines turned 280,000 shaft horsepower. Good reminder that the U.S. military is the single largest carbon emitter in the entire world. The single largest organization in terms of carbon output, the U.S. military. That's right. The thing that protects us is also the thing killing us. The thing that we have to give tens of billions of dollars to because the world is scary uh, and dangerous and unstable is the thing helping more than any other single institution to make the world scary, dangerous, and unstable. 
you got to love the contradictions. You got to live them more than anything. Targets of her complement of fighter bombers include missile sites and air bases in western Iraq. Displacement 80,800 tons, fully loaded. Length 1,046 feet. Speed 30 knots. Aircraft 85. Crew 5,463. And those 72 Marines again. Those 72 Marines love hanging out on the deck. I guess they're the cops. You got to make sure everyone's not buggering each other. Yes, it was very, very, it was incredibly perfect that Liz Warren's pitch on this subject was not, we need to drastically cut military funding and redirect it to other things like, you know, climate stabilization, other in the rest of the world. It was green the military, spend the money on the military, but like make it run on fucking uh, solar panels or something. And again, you know, from a reformist perspective, you, the argument is, well, isn't that better than nothing? And I kind of am at the point where, you know, when you see just how we are on autopilot right now, you know, careening towards disaster that is unfolding, not even like that hasn't happened yet that maybe it is worse than nothing because it gives people an excuse to just keep having faith in these institutions and in ameliorative processes that cannot meaningfully change the trajectory we're on. <laughs> okay, so we've had intelligence files on Islam and uh, Judaism. Here we go, Christianity. And we've got a... Uh, to, to symbolize Christianity, we have the cupola of like what must looks like maybe a uh, an Episcopalian church in like Northern Virginia, which would be very appropriate. Christians believe in one God as revealed in three persons: God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Gotta say, Islam really did a lot of good work by clearing that up and just saying, forget that. These people are trying to thread a specific needle of making Christ. Uh, like the Messiah, and since we're kind of, you know, we're moving beyond that, we're not part of that, you know, uh, tribal arrangement anymore, we're out here in the desert, we're not Roman subjects, we don't have to have that specific uh, role to fill, so we can just swipe that stuff off the road and be like, no, there's one God, don't worry about it, there's one fucking God. Jesus' death and resurrection restored the relationship between man and God. Most Christian denominations observe the rite of baptism and communion. They have just designated Sunday as their day of worship. I do like how how like alien removed that is. You know, there's no uh, 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 assumption that the person reading this is a Christian, even though, you know, uh, heritage wise, they probably are. Followers: one point five billion and falling. Percentage of the world's population: thirty three. Founder: Jesus Christ. I don't know. Did he really found it? I don't think he really can be said to have found it. Because I don't really think Christ imagined a religion emerging around him. He imagined himself and his sacrifice setting about the immediate process of bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth through the uh, revelation that his death would uh, generate. That didn't happen. Then a bunch of guys had to scramble and turn it into a religion. Which, of course, immediately, you know, uh, lost its 
or in, intended purpose and became a, uh, very quickly, became mortar uh, slapping together the edifice of a crumbling uh, Roman legitimacy. So yeah, we got we got Islam, Judaism, Christianity. They didn't really like talk about how Christianity is, you know, part of this process. You know, uh, Jerusalem being the city of the three religions or anything. Very interesting. South Korea. Here we go. Good old South Korea. Korea, with a recorded history more than 2,000 years, was divided into South and North in July 1945. After North Korea, I think we did this one too. If not, I've talked enough about Korea. Here we go. I know we haven't done this one. Germany. Germany. Look at that. Mad King Ludwig's Castle. Why don't we build things like this anymore? Why don't we have tertiary syphilis and spend all of our family's money and then drown in a reflecting pool? At midnight on October 3rd, 1990, Germany was reunited after 45 years of division. At the end of World War II, Germany was divided into two parts, east and west. In 1973, each was admitted to the United Nations. On September 15th, 1990, Germany promised to contribute a $2 billion aid package to the Gulf effort. Damn. As was the case with other effort nations, German companies sold weapons and war materials to Iraq before August 2nd, 1990. Damn. They fucking helped in this one, and you're going to throw them under the bus that way? No message of the United States fucking uh, arming Saddam? Geographic area, 137,600 square miles. Population, 77.5 million. Language, German. Predominant religions, Catholicism, Protestantism. Capital Berlin, government type, Demokratische Republik. The head of government, good old Chancellor Helmut Kohl. I remember Helmut Kohl, big old, just a fat guy, just a big old Bavarian party boy. He would come and have, he would come over to America and hang out with Bill Clinton. They'd have a great time. <laughs> this card just says, peace. Just this piece, and it has a dove on it. It has a dove that honestly looks like it's underwater. Again, I have to comment on how terrible the, the these cards are. How can you not get a nice crisp sky blue background for the bird to pop off of? Instead, this is aquamarine. Do they find this fucking uh, bird floating at the bottom of the Marianas Trench? Piss dove, thank you. This is like piss dove. And they have a quote here from Abraham Lincoln's second inaugural. Let us strive on to finish the work we are in, to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle, and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. I got to say, that is not my favorite part of Lincoln's second inaugural. Because he has another thing he says after that that people don't talk about as much. They talk about that. They talk about malice towards none. But there's another part 
that uh, comes towards the end, then I'm a big fan. Because uh, he says, like, let's have peace. But remember, the war hadn't ended yet by that point. The South was still fighting. So he made sure to emphasize, you know, we'd like peace, but we're going to keep fighting until we win this thing. And he said, fondly do we hope, fervently do we pray that this mighty scourge of war may speedily pass away. Yet, if God wills that it continue until all the wealth piled by the bondsman's 250 years of unrequited toil shall be sunk, and until every drop of blood drawn with the lash shall be paid by another drawn with the sword. As was said 3,000 years ago, so still it must be said, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. He wasn't fucking around. Shit like that really does make it feel like 1865 is a, is a, is a fluid plane in history that uh, we got like the worst possible version of. Military skill. Teamwork. Yay. We got teamwork. Look at these guys. They're pulling on a rope. They're pulling on a rope on an aircraft carrier. Some guy probably just neutralized a, a bomb shelter and killed 300 children. And they did, they did it with teamwork. Uh, it is very interesting that after this, they went with an army of one as their slogan, showing where we got. And now, though, they're back. They, they switched. And now their pitch for the army is really like, we have uh, friends for you. You can be friends if you join the army. Like, look at these people. They'll hang out with you. You'll get beer. You'll go uh, bowling. You won't be alone. Uh, and I have to say, uh, the only explanation for like what the psyop value of this uh, the alien uh, revelations might be I don't buy any of that shit about government funding for the fucking uh, space force. There's no one stopping them. There's no force standing between higher defense budgets for everything uh, and approval by Congress. So there's no need to manufacture the consent. The consent is beside the point. But maybe you're pitching to people to be like, hey, join the Navy. You'll see an alien. We got stuff. There's a reason to join the military, to, to, to do public service. We, you might see aliens. For every combat soldier, 10 people work in support. These troops, working as a team, keep the fighting force applied, informed, and directed. As in everyday life, practicing teamwork makes every job easier. And then in quotes, whenever you can, lend a hand. Damn, thanks. Thanks, guys. Great idea. Why didn't I think of that? All right. Uh, donating blood. We need your blood for war. The war needs your blood. Citizens, Moloch cries for your blood. Donating blood is a safe, painless act of love for fellow human beings. That's true. During times of war, during war or peace, volunteers are always needed to find a supply of blood for the sick and injured. A few minutes out of your day can mean the difference between life and death for your friends, family, or neighbors in an emergency. For information on donating, contact your local Red Cross or hospital. A very good uh, message. It's just kind of sinister in the pack of war cards. Does feel a little Warhammer. All right, only a couple left here. We've got uh, the intel the leader here. We've got Sheikh Jabir Al Ahmad 
al-Sabah, I believe the head of Kuwait, the emir of Kuwait, the guy who got his country owned by doing slant drilling across the border and refusing to uh, get better, give better terms to Iraq for the loans that they owed them from the uh, Iran-Iraq war. Becoming the emir of Kuwait in 1977, Sheikh al-Sabah is the 13th ruler of his nation's Sabah dynasty. He began his career as Kuwait's first minister of finance. In 1965, he became prime minister, then crown prince and heir apparent in 1966. Kuwait supported Iraq during the Iran-Iraq War. Fake friends. The emir escaped a suicide car bomber's attack in May 1985. The emir and his people were jubilant the day the coalition forces liberated Kuwait, February 27, 1991. I bet they were. Born Kuwait, Kuwait. Birth date, June 29, 1926. He's got to be gone by now. He's, he's, his, one of his kids is probably in charge now. Was tutored privately in religion and Arabic literature, English, basic science. Wow. Way to fucking call him out. Basic sciences. You know, like He's not going to be able to explain to you how a, a car works. Basic sciences. I do wonder what, to what degree he knew the U.S. was setting up Iraq to invade his country. Was he in on that at all? Did we, like, help him, encourage him to be intransigent? Because I do think the only way to understand the Iraq war is as a uh, as a geopolitical version of cops, like, pressing somebody into selling weed, you know? It's very appropriate that the, uh, the crack that George H.W. Bush famously held up uh, during his White House speech about drugs, where he's like, this crack was purchased, well, 100 yards from the White House. That crack had been purchased by a like teenage drug dealer from Anacostia, D.C., who had been contacted by like DEA informants and said, hey, I want some crack. And he's like, sure, come over and get the crack. And they're like, no, no, come bring it to the reflecting pond. You got to take it. You got to come here. And they lured him across the river so that they could bust him by uh, the Lincoln Memorial and he could have a photo op. And then the guy got 10 years in prison for that. The Iraq war was essential. The first Iraq war was just a geopolitical version of that. They send the uh, they send the ambassador to tell Saddam, we don't care about what happens in Kuwait. Settle your business. And then our guy, who we had helped install and had supported throughout the whole Iran-Iraq war, had, why would he have any reason to believe that we would not do that? And then, boom, he's public enemy number one, Hitler, Hitler number one. An amazing, it's just, George H.W. Bush, one of the most uh, uh, effective demons of all time, and at the same time, a complete goof who was fully compelled to be seen publicly as, as like a uh, powerful and uh, virtuous public servant, uh, even though all of his skills were in the black arts, behind the scenes wielding of power. Just uh, an incredibly compelling figure, highly underrated as a presidential figure. And we got geography. Good old Jerusalem. Oh, boy. The city that started a thousand arguments. And to Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, is Jerusalem has a very special meaning. When Israel was established in 1948, Jerusalem was divided between it and Transjordan, but came completely under Israeli control after the Six Days War in 18, 1965. Seven. Jerusalem contains many historical religious shrines, including the Wailing Wall, the Mount of Olives, Gethsemane, and the Dome of the Rock, the Mosque of Omar. 
Apparently, there are uh, a bunch of Israeli settling jug hooters are are descending on the Dome on the Rock right now, trying to literally start uh, World War Three. Population four hundred four thousand five hundred eighty thousand four hundred. Damn specific. Foundation eighteen hundred BC. Location Central Israel, thirty five miles from the Mediterranean Sea. Significance, capital and religious center. Capital? That's interesting. Do they mean capital of the uh, Palestinian territory? Because Jerusalem was pointedly not the capital of Israel in 1990. That would have been a, a huge provocation to, at the time, what at the time was a live peace process, which of course has just been fucking literally murdered. The first death being uh, uh, Itzhak Rabin, and ever since, so many others. But it's a dead dog, but it was a live wire in 90. They were still really in, in good faith negotiating. And uh, yeah, never would have dreamed of calling Jerusalem the capital of Israel then. The Rabin assassination, somebody asked uh, a while ago, like, what's the most successful assassination in terms of getting what you want from doing it as the person doing it? And the Rabin assassination has got to be number one. Like, as you can just see, like, as soon as Rabin dies, this process that had, like, actually developed, you know, uh, in a direction uh, of two states, you know, we can argue about how that was never have been viable in the long run, but it uh, was absolutely aborted by the assassination of Rabin. So, you know, the guys who did it got what they want, and it sure as hell wasn't that just that one uh, fucking hick. Uh, I would say not Franz Ferdinand because they the, the Black Hand didn't want World War One; they wanted Sarajevo to be part of Serbia. Is it? Serbia got subsumed into Yugoslavia. They didn't want that. I don't think they wanted Yugoslavia. I think they wanted bigger Serbia. And there is a difference. Honest, and like the Abe assassination, uh, you know, what did it do? It made people not like Abe, which is amazing. And uh, it cut some ties between the LDP and uh, the Moonies. But, you know, it didn't get that guy's mom or house back. If he gets out of jail, though, that would be amazing. If there's just, like, no hard feelings and sometime in the next 10 years, that would be amazing. I mean, even the JFK assassination, it's, well, if we assume it was, if we say it was Oswald, uh, if we take the government tack that it was Oswald uh, because of some like, desire to protect Cuba, I guess, is that what they say? Or just for him to be famous? I mean, if you take that as a standard, like, if you just want to be famous, then yeah, very, uh, any of them are very successful. But if we assume it was the government, Killing uh, Kennedy. 
if you think that he was going to, you know, initiate world peace, then they definitely got what they wanted. They did not have that happen. But uh, if they wanted him, they wanted, like, for example, Cuba to get reinvaded. And if the mafia was involved, and they were to some degree, we know that, they certainly were hoping they were going to get their nightclubs back. That didn't happen. Cuba did not get invaded and taken over. I don't I honestly don't believe the idea that it was the death of American democracy that it was some sort of coup. I think it was the it was just We've talked before, I've talked before uh, to you about how a lot of the signal events that we organize our understanding of causality around historically are happening in the backwash of the real event, and then they get uh, turned into the signal. The Howard Dean scream was what I pointed out, but the Kennedy assassination is another example of this. Like the early 50s was when the battle for American democracy was lost between night, the death of FDR and uh and eisenhower is is when the uh the terrain of american democracy for post-war world is determined and that's where you have the red scare taft hartley the rise the establishment of the national security state and the cold war those things determine everything that comes after and kennedy was in no position to end the cold war or do meaningfully democratic governance if anything, he was a kind of uh, kind of himboish horn dog who had you know some like naive instincts and did not realize who he was dealing with. But yeah, at least at, at least for portions of the uh, people who of the group that killed Kennedy, they didn't get what they want. Anybody who was involved because of Cuba did not get what they want. But yeah, Rabin, what did they want? They wanted an end of the peace process. What did they get? An end of the peace process. And now we are uh, at an end game, really, where they're they're on the verge of just abolishing all of the uh, all of the facades. Of anything other than a a autocratic ethnostate. Was Truman or Eisenhower more to blame for instigating the Cold War? Oh, Truman by a factor of a million. Eisenhower, what? He was just the guy, he was what? He was chilling out. He was the NATO chief, and then he was the head of Columbia University when all the real important stuff was happening. He was being courted by both parties to run for president, and he considered him. He he was not political. Like that generation of uh generals, and a lot of them they still like do this. They just as a rule don't vote. And so he was like, ah, who am I gonna pick? And then the Wall Street faction of the of the Republicans brought him in to prevent Robert Taft from getting the nomination in 1952. And honestly, all that did was ensure the Republicans won. I don't think Taft would have won an election in 52. 
any more than Goldwater did in 64. The, the public mood, the, the coalition of the Democratic Party was still very, very strong. Like they had won, uh, by that point, uh, a majority of, of, of black Americans, although not the number that they would get later, but like black people actually started voting for Democrats during FDR's presidency, which really does undermine a lot of the more strident accusations about how racist the New Deal was. It's like, obviously, the, race, the, the New Deal was racist. It was a racist time in a racist country. But black people in America perceived the New Deal as being to their benefit, which means that it was not, it did not exclude them to the degree that a lot of people walk around thinking it did. If it had, they would not have started voting for the Democrats, which they did. And they had the whole working class. They had everybody who punched the clock, pretty much. Robert Taft, they had the, the Main Street USA, small business types, and farmers. And they were that that is not a viable electoral coalition, and it wasn't. And you didn't have civil rights yet to really like split the party. I mean, you did have the Dixiecrats, but uh, it was not enough even to prevent Truman from get uh, getting elected in '48 uh, against Dewey. Yeah, Eisenhower was along for the ride. And he was he was running at a time when it was understood that both parties were fully uh fully under control of capital after there was there was a moment there at the end of the FDR term where it was a real life question as to who is directing the ship. What faction within the coalition of the Democratic Party had the whip hand was actually like uh making policy. And that was why the party bosses put their foot down in 44 that uh, Henry Wallace couldn't be on the ticket again. And the inability of the, uh, the popular front part of the Democratic coalition to insist on that and to keep him on showed that they had, over the course of the war, uh, lost their advantage. Because the war tamped down class conflict at every level. Temporarily, of course. It all exploded afterwards. But by that time, you've got Truman and the hacks back in complete control. And uh, with a policy of war against the former allies in the Soviet Union and their fellow travelers in the United States. Which meant ripping the guts out of the activist heart, or ripping the guts out of the labor movement. Uh, somebody says, wasn't the only thing Truman did to piss off Dixiecrats, integrate the military? That was the main thing he did. Although it is very funny, Truman was like hilariously racist against black people. I mean, he was a Missourian. Uh, but he, he, you know, because for because the generals told him that they needed it, he integrated the military. But one of the big things that led to the, the alienation between the South and uh, the Democrats in 48 was that in 48, the keynote address at the Democratic National Convention was given by the young uh, 
uh, boy genius mayor of uh, Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Hubert Horatio Humphrey. And Humphrey gave this stem-winding speech demanding uh, uh, a strong civil rights plank in the Democratic platform. And the Southern delegates walked out. So it wasn't just Truman. Like it, the entire, like having lost the, the terrain of geopolitics, like uh, uh, you know, the, the question of whether we were going to ally with the uh, with the Soviets after the war, that was over. That had been lost. But like the domestic question of civil rights, that could be won. And so that is where the liberal part of the Democratic coalition turned their attention. Uh, it's like immediately. And, you know, like a lot of people like to, to uh, take the like the liberal uh, 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 focus on race as some sort of like cynical attempt to not talk about class. No, it is what happened when the class war had been lost. You're still there. You still want to make things better for people. That is a way to do so. Oh man, there's a discussion about what town is the most racist in America. Oh boy, I don't think I don't know how you could even quantify that. The the big the most segregated big city in America is Chicago, uh, and Milwaukee is also I think like if you remove the population, it's Milwaukee. The population requirement is Milwaukee. That's so that's like one. It's like the I forty three corridor there. And yeah, I don't know how else you judge if not like just actual geography. Oh wow, we're getting so many we're getting so many uh uh recommendations here. We're getting so many suggestions. Yeah, I don't know. They're all bad. It's 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 America. They all are. What are you gonna do? We had a chance. We had a chance to uh, ameliorate this in a way that did not leave it scarring our politics completely into the twenty first century. But it it didn't happen. We didn't get it. Credit Moblier, somebody says. Oh, man, that's a great one. Over time, it's like political uh, uh, corruption scandals in American politics get like lamer and lamer names. Like in Grant's time, U.S. Grant's presidency, you've got the Whiskey Ring, cool name, and Credit Moblier, also a very cool name. And by the time you get to Harding, it's Teapot Dome, which is fun and whimsical. And then you get Watergate. 
which is really nothing. And ever since then, it's just been something with Gates stuck on the back of it. And it's wild. Like, Trump obviously has been, like, he was a comically corrupt president, and yet none of his corruption, like, turned into a scandal with a cool name. But maybe those are the things that are made in hi historically. Like, if America makes it, and we've got, you know, history textbooks 100 years from now that are talking about this period, maybe they will have pithy names for the uh, scandals of the Obungler and, and, and Trump era. I hope that uh, the Hunter Biden thing will be called Cockgate. He got domed. That's funny. That's very funny. A friendly mammal writes, more like he got domed. Oh man, some is Soliandra. Soliandra. Everybody remember Solyndra? Soliandra, Solyndra? That was a big one during a bungler. They gave money to a they gave money to a, uh, a solar panel company or whatever, and they went out of business. I mean, it was prefigurative though, because like we now have industrial policy again under Biden, and it's modeled basically on Solyndra, right? Like huge uh government guarantees for alternative energy suppliers. So, you know, they warned us about it. Dang it. They warned us. Oh, uh, I should plug this before I go. I'm going to go, but I want to plug this first. I did a uh, I helped write I didn't write all of them but I helped write a quiz uh, for the National Academic Quiz Tournaments NAQT about the Reformation uh, that you can play. I think you have to pay to play it but I also think that there are prizes it's like five bucks I think so yeah it's NAQT Dot com, and I read the questions. I read many. I wrote a number of them. Not all of them, though. It's a very long test, and I can't really do a good job at that. I'm better at answering than ans asking them. But if anybody likes quizzes and, and quizzing it up, you can uh, do uh, like a college bowl style quiz there at uh, NAQT, the Reformation with Matt Chrisman. Check it out. I'm a, I'm a quiz head. My extracurricular in junior high was Knowledge Masters Open. Is anyone old enough to have done Knowledge Masters Open, KMO? It was a floppy disk that had a bunch of uh, trivia questions, and you would, as a group, just holler out uh, the multiple-choice answer as quick as possible. We did pretty good. I believe we, we generally finished second in the state, and we were always defeated by this magnet school in Milwaukee. Fucking Rufus King. They stole our freaking, uh, they stole our dang championship. They ate our lunch every year.
So yeah, I was doing the homework for fun. Fucking nerd. All right. So yeah, play the play the game if you'd like. If not, not my problem. I'll talk to y'all later. Bye-bye.